Welcome back to the latest episode of the Boulder Bassoon Quartet podcast. I'm Michael. I'm Brian. I'm Ethan. I'm Kent. And there's exciting news in the world because <laughs> Dwight from The Office <laughs> is writing a book that will come out in November. And you know what it's called? It's called The Bassoon King. Now, we've had a brush-up with this guy in the past. There's a well-known, very public rivalry between the Boulder Bassoon Quartet and Rain Wilson, who plays Dwight from The Office. Very public. It's bordering on embarrassing, really. Uh, people won't stop talking about it. We've had many requests to appear on The Letterman Show and Jimmy Kimmel Live and all the others to address this celebrity feud. I mean, I, I think it's just been blown out of proportion. Yeah. There's actually an excerpt available from the book, The Bassoon King. Having studied piano as a kid and then clarinet at Kellogg Junior High, just north of Seattle, I went to my band teacher and told him I wanted to quit clarinet and play tenor sax. Saxophone was just way cooler. Guys in the sax section would crack jokes, goof off, and wear sunglasses in class sometimes. Clarinet wasn't pathetically loserish. I mean, it wasn't French horn. <laughs> But it's not the most masculine of instruments either. Sure, there was a clarinet-like instrument in the cantina scene in Star Wars, but let's face it, clarinets are for girls in braces and Woody Allen. Who loves girls in braces? But I'm dumb. My band teacher, John Law, real name, really pulled a fast one on me. He, he said something to the effect of, well, you could play the sax, but we've just got so many saxophones right now. You know what's an amazing instrument? one that's really cool and unique. I was all like, what? What's really cool and unique? And he was like, the bassoon. And I was like, wow, the bassoon. What's that? And with that manipulative interaction, a bassoonist was born. Uh, this, by the way, I'll reiterate, is a real excerpt from his book, The Bassoon King. <laughs> Continuing, the bassoon is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> They should be banned for being horrible, unnecessary, and... Oh, man, here's the word I don't know. Adenoidally? Adenoidally. Adenoidally. Like your adenoids. Like your adenoids. Yeah, it's like a nasal thing. Or something like that. He's saying the bassoon sounds way too nasal. Exhibiting the characteristics of snoring, mouth breathing, and voice nasal nasality. Oh, lovely. The bassoon is ridiculous. They should be banned for being horrible, unnecessary, and annoyedly grating. It takes an hour to assemble one. They're enormous. It's That's like they're made true. out of Lincoln logs, aluminum twigs, and paper towel tubes. <laughs> there are these tiny double wooden reeds uh, that you have to soak and trim and tend to all the time. There's a strap that you actually have to sit on when you play so the whole thing doesn't fall onto the floor like a bundle of garbage. <laughs> and after all that falderall they end up sounding like an anemic donkey with laryngitis <laughs> uh, let's see the excerpt continues later after I was digging into my bassooning Mr. Law was thoughtful enough to let the class know that the original know that originally the bassoon was called the fagotti in Italian because it was like a faggot bundle of wood uh, when you were carrying the pieces around. That went over really well. People in junior high just loved commenting in all sorts of interesting ways on me and my enormous fagotti. Um, 
What a shame. This guy clearly has not had the, the great pleasure of experiencing the Boulder Bassoon Court or the Boulder Fogati Quartet. <laughs> How do you interpret Mr. Wilson's diatribe? Well, I think the first thing we need to do is get his address so we can send him a copy of our CD. So we can do some rewrites. That would be great. We should. We should totally send him a CD. Yeah. How do you go about finding Rain Wilson's business address or his personal one? When he listens to our podcast, he'll, we'll just have this out as an open invitation to him. Well, I'll autograph it. <laughs> With love and respect. <laughs> I wonder how many other people in the world have had that kind of experience as well. Like when I look at the world, I see so many bassoonists, far too many. Uh, and then, you know, you get the this more real perspective of like, what a ridiculous thing. <laughs> I wonder how many other people out there have started to play the bassoon and they said, what is going on? No, I don't want to do this. And then you quit. Lots. Yeah. <laughs> Lots. I think my first reaction was to be personally offended. I had to let that go pretty quick. By the bassoon or by Rain Wilson? Well, both. <laughs> both? <laughs> it was a chronological part. order. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It is a ridiculous instrument. I don't think there's anything he said that's not true, except the adenoidally bit. Like, I just don't think of the bassoon as having an unpleasant sound. Well, he sounds like he was a very beginner, like you were saying. And at that point, all of his descriptions of the bassoon are quite accurate when you're a beginning player like that. Mm. It takes quite a while to get that thing to sound like it's supposed to. Uh-huh. And given that the, the book's cover has a photo of him posing with a bassoon, I imagine a lot of this is tongue-in-cheek. What? So does that mean we shouldn't go after him now, since it's just I mean, a joke? What do you want to go after him about? He must bow before us. It's not that I don't want him to kneel before his eyes. <laughs> well, geez, once again, I am completely out of reeds, and I am out of cane. Where can I go to refill my supply? You should go to Barton Cane. They have a wide selection of, of different cane you can choose from and customizable solutions. Ooh, that sounds fancy, Ethan. What's customizable solutions mean? They can customize your cane and the type of cane that you're getting as well as the shape and the gouge and the profile to just your liking. A quick glance at their website says that they have not only the Fox 2 shape and the Hertzberg shape and the Rieger 1A shape and some others, but they also have the Kristen Wolf Jensen Artist Series, the Gabriel Beavers Artist Series, and the Jeff Kiesker Artist Series. That's insane. Where do I go to find this? You can go to bartonkane.com. This episode of the Boulder Bassoon Quartet Podcast is brought to you by Forrest's Music. For all your double read interests, check out Forrest's Music. So, Ethan, what's going on in your life? How's that bathroom remodel? <laughs> <laughs>
I think we're firing our contractor. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. It's all right. In even spare time, when he's not rocking bassoon bass lines, he fires contractors. <laughs> That's right. For inadequate bathroom remodels. Yes. So this means it's not finished. It's not finished. And he was supposed to come today, and he just didn't, so... Then he texted. He texted back though when I said, "Why aren't you here?" <laughs> <laughs> and his response: He has another job. <laughs> well, you know. Mm. Anyway, has anybody? Okay, now if this is not a subject we want to get to, that's fine. Has anybody heard of the subcontra bassoon? Uh, no. Yeah, I heard um, this guy was doing an Indiegogo campaign to raise money to create a subcontra bassoon. He actually designed blueprints mm-hmm. to create this thing, and it would play a full octave lower than the contra. Yeah, and it was the Indiegogo video showed the blueprints and showed what it would look like, and had sort of a, I think, a, a sample of what it would sound like. It was just him playing some chorale on contra bassoons. It didn't have any oh, okay. subcontra. Okay. Yeah, the guy's name is Richard Bobo, and he's a bassoonist with the Tulsa, Tulsa Symphony, Tulsa Philharmonic. But he's actually got a few YouTube videos, which I've looked at. And he did not do a good job selling the concept of the subcontra bassoon on his Indiegogo page. But he's got a YouTube video later where he does some interesting uh, simulated uh, notes. So he'll, he'll, he proves his hypothesis that slowing your recording down uh, might be a good approximation of a subcontra. So he plays the bassoon first, and then he slows that recording down by half and played it back. And it sounds like a passable facsimile of a contra bassoon. So with that proven, he then gets his contra bassoon out, records it, and plays it back at half speed. And so we, you get your first sound of what might a sub-contra bassoon sound like. And does it sound like a Harley Davidson at a traffic light? Uh, no, I think that sounds better. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. His whole point is, even though the lowest notes on that horn would be below what a human ear could technically right. pick out, uh, that it, its effect uh, as the bottom of a, a wind choir would be like what you would hear with a, like a pipe organ mm-hmm. laying down that bass. And you, you don't necessarily hear the specific pitch, but you get that full effect. And so his last thing that he did is he had uh, himself playing seven different parts on the bassoons and then a contra. And then he played the whole thing again with adding a subcontra bassoon to hear what the effect would be. So I thought he should have done that for his Indiegogo video. But yeah. in case anybody is at all interested in what a subcontra bassoon might sound like, go to YouTube and look up Richard Bobo. It's a very interesting discussion, even if you don't end up being sold on the idea. Is Bobo spelled B-O-B-O? Yes. Did it just sound completely unnecessary? Not completely. <laughs> it's definitely something I hadn't thought of. I would like for it to exist just for the novelty of it, but yeah. like I would love to play that low note that you can't actually really necessarily yeah. hear 
and see what you feel. Like when you play the contrabassoon normally, your lips vibrate a whole lot and it always makes my nose itch. Uh-huh. And you get down there in the lower <laughs> register, and it's, it's great. And if there were a few more notes to add down there, you know, what would that feel like, rumbling around in the floorboards? When I was working on my education degree, we had to learn all the instruments to like a sixth grade level. And in tuba class, I had trouble <laughs> reading the notes sometimes because yeah, my eyeballs were... No, it was because my eyeballs were vibrating in my head <laughs> and everything became blurred. There was once a TV screen on in the classroom and it was just static, I think, but the, the screen would like bounce off of where the actual TV was if I was looking at it. Like the screen would become detached in my eyesight and float around the actual box. It's pretty bizarre. Pretty cool. <laughs> I played tuba in high school. Me oh, yeah. too. Or marching band. Yeah. Um, no, I don't know. I, I kind of liked it. Oh, I dug it. And oh, like I like for the that, Christmas too. concert one year, like my senior year in high school, uh, the the Christmas music for bassoon just sucks, right? In a high school band, um, at least the stuff that we played, it was just whole notes and stuff like that. So I decided one year I was going to play the tuba for the Christmas concert, and I played tuba, and it was a lot of fun. And then I gave that up and played bassoon. <laughs> <laughs> so props to R. Winston Morris. Um, the bassoon professor at my alma mater, Tennessee Tech, is this really, really big deal in the tuba world. Um, his students include a euphonium player in the U.S. Navy Band in D.C. and the tuba professor at... Cincinnati Conservatory of Music and the tuba professor at the University of Arizona and the tuba professor at University of Colorado, Mike Dunn. Um, all these guys studied with R. Winston Morris at, at Tennessee Tech University. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, what? When I was in high school, there was a 10th grader from Denmark who had come all the way to Cookville, Tennessee so that he could study tuba as like an exchange student with R. Winston Morris. So why was this Professor Morris teaching in Tennessee? I don't know, I mean... Not Eastman or Juilliard. I don't know. Bizarre. Maybe he was happy and felt at home in Middle Tennessee. Was he from there? Um, he had a pretty distinct Southern accent. Huh. He has, I mean, he's still there. Curious. But, um, so, you know, Tennessee Tech was a place that might have 10 or 12 trumpet students or, you know, eight or ten clarinet students, maybe fifteen flute students, and twenty-five tuba and euphonium students. <laughs> they had their own ensemble, like tuba choir <laughs> albums and Carnegie Hall performances and all kinds of stuff. Talk about making the tuba sound like a really incredible musical, awesome instrument. Those guys did it and did it really, really well. That's it. Props. R. Winston Morris, I'm thinking of you, sir. There's a, there's a student at CU, a tuba student. Uh, he's currently at CU, and he is also internet famous because he was practicing. Somebody walked up to him, knocked on the door, or screamed at him or something. Both. And like, re recorded all this. Slammed the door and screamed. Yeah, the tubist screamed like a girl. And it was recorded and uploaded to YouTube. Oh, no. And it's reached almost, I don't know, a million views right. or something. It was a pretty quick viral thing. Oh, yeah. Here it is. <laughs> See, yeah. YouTube is studio. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> that guy and I were actually roommates at Steamboat Springs in March. Oh, I had really? no idea. I was staying with a celebrity. <laughs> I would have asked him every day, like, give me a spare. I would have snuck up on him or something. <laughs> okay. Poor guy. <laughs> Oh, that's great, good friend. That's a good screen. Yeah, that's like you're recording a movie and you need somebody to screen. That's the guy. That's who you want. With conviction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guess how many views this original. Now, there are copycat videos that someone copied and posted their own version of it. This is the original one here. Guess how many views it's gotten. 700,000. Yeah, I was going to guess 500,000. 672,000. Oh! For oh. screaming. I don't know, man. That's just not fair. <laughs> <laughs> good scream. That is a good scream. That is apparently it. <laughs> How many views does so much for that at Trinity have? <laughs> uh, I think we're up to like 400 on that thing now. Really? Yeah, it's really come oh, along. Yeah, yeah, that thing blew up. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me 34. Well, 16 I, of most of our me. stuff, yeah, most of our stuff has at least a few hundred. Right on. Yeah. But not 600. I guess what we need to do is we all need to scream, but do it in some clever, unscripted way. There's a 36 second long video of us playing at somebody's wedding many years ago, and that was posted by somebody else, and it has almost 35,000 views. So I'm looking at our video list, and our best performing one, can you guess which one that might be? Cantina? Yeah. That has 8,600 views. Not bad. Is that the one that um, got tagged at the uh, Bloomberg News? Huffington yeah, Huffington, Huffington Post. Post. That's the one. That's probably responsible for half of our views, that article. And the theme from Catch Me If You Can is our next highest at 2,400. Celtic Reflections and So Cliche, our original performance of So Cliche, they both have about 950. And then we start going down the ranks a little bit. So that's how we stack up to the screaming CU tubist. <laughs> <laughs> you like that guy, don't you? You like that tube scream guy. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.